Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. I gotta say, um, I feel like today's podcast is gonna be rather uneventful. Don't have a lot of news. It was kind of crappy. We didn't really play a lot of games. We played party games, wolf. Well, December is just like... A crazy time for us with my birthday, which was so great last week, and kids' concerts and school parties and my concerts, your concerts and your like work parties, band parties. Like it's just, it sounds so vapid now that I think about it. Like oh, we just have so many parties to attend to. We don't have time. Uh, yeah, it really does. It sounds like <laughs> we have so many friends that you know, it's terrible for us. I don't mean that. You all know. You all know what it's like to have a bunch of obligations in December. But I'm finally done with grading my students' work. I got had a bunch of like last minute whiners. Oh, my grade's really bad. What can I do to fix it? And I'm like, well, you should have come to class and turned in your stuff. So there's that. Um, but I'm finally done with all that. So I'm hoping that in the future it'll be more games and like. I mean, I can't fix Kickstarter, but, you know, better things, more exciting things to talk about in the future. One exciting thing we do have to talk about is my fickle favorite this week is a shout out to Fred. Fred, we love you. You have sent us. I wanted to call you Freddy, but Kitty wouldn't let me. So we're just going to call you Fred. You're an adult now. You're Fred. <laughs> Fred not only sent us hot sauce this year, he also sent us a really nice game for Christmas. Um and a new, like a first player marker for Roger the Ganges that's so dope. I love it. I, I'm so excited to play using it. Well, now you can play with the elephant and that little piece. I know. I know. I will never <laughs> win now, Fred, that you gave me that. I'd be like, do, do, do. Let's put this over here. Ooh, the elephant's going to ride up and say hello. I will, Yeah. I will never be able to pay attention again because I've got two things to play with <laughs> during the game. Excellent. Fred's just looking out for me to try to help me win in whatever way I can. I guess so. And Jason did do like a, a learning play of the game you sent us. Right, babe? I did. I did a two-player. I played by myself for both people, but it's because I wanted to be able to teach Katie. So I know how it goes. So it's easier for me to teach. So yeah, it seems interesting. I'm just ready to play with another person. I threw that back to you so you'd say the name of the game because I don't remember what it is. Oh, the game is called Mandala. Mandala. It's from Mandala. Uh, that's right. I kept getting confused with Mandala stones, which we have, and this is different, but it looks very pretty as well. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's still the same theme as that Mandala stones one, but uh, this is just like a card game with a really cool like um, fabric board, which is pretty neat. Ooh! And it's from one of the designers did Elysium, which you really mm, like. I do. And the other designer, shoot, I just looked him up and now I can't remember. But he's done some games that we enjoy as well. And it's from Lookout Games, which is interesting. Because they do a bunch of like heavy games, but this is a hmm. little two-player game that they did. Yeah, so I'm hoping we'll get that played so we can talk about it next week on the podcast. But thank you, Fred. Now, as I mentioned online, I love all of our listeners. I just love some of you more at certain times than I do others. <laughs> it's a fickle. That's what fickle means. <laughs> exactly. It's the definition. So if you want me to fickly love you more next week, send me something for Christmas. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that's total pandering i don't don't send me something for christmas i have everything i need you can send me something you can send me a weather machine or something if you want <laughs> well no considering that is ridiculous i almost ordered that for jason but i think i got him something just as good 
probably more playable that I'm hoping is going to arrive today, but we won't talk about that till after Christmas because it's a gift. So uh, I want to move on to crowdfunding news and Kickstarter because I was looking at Kickstarter woof right now. Okay. I mean, Weather Machine's almost over. There's not a lot of good stuff left. Um, I was going to talk about the ski jumping game that Mike mentioned to me, but then I was looking over it. It it looks a little also kind of, it looks like there was math. So I was a little upset about that. My biggest issue though, and why I will not spend more time on it during this crowdfunding section is because in order to get boards that have women on them, you have to buy the deluxe edition. Are you freaking kidding me? Not only do I not get paid as much as a man, I can't even get a freaking woman on my board game set about ski jumping unless I pay extra for the deluxe edition. The, the way it should it used to be back in the day. Stop. Don't even pretend but- <laughs> like you agree with any of this. Stop. It's irritating. It's stupid. It's it is so stupid. stupid. I agree. It is not like I don't understand why companies do that after all this time. Like all the stuff that has gone down in the last couple of years with uh, like Twitter and everybody trying to, you know, focus on, hey, let's get more than just white males in games. The people are still doing this. It's ridiculous. Like it doesn't cost more to draw women on a game board. Maybe it does. I mean, it honestly, it does I don't know. freaking not. <laughs> it shouldn't. I agree. It should. So stupid. Like even if you're just, you could have mixed some of the women's boards in with the men in the base set and then had maybe. A deluxe edition with had extra player boards of both genders, or just do two sided. That's what a lot of companies do. They right put that male one not well. On one this side. one, it's yeah. like you have to slide things in and out. Oh, I got. Um, you. So I could see where maybe maybe it wouldn't work, but get some better engineering, and you could do du- dual sided, or I don't know, just don't be a d bag and put both <laughs> genders together. Like I almost said something else and I censored myself. So you would have was, to bleep me out. I had the bleep button ready. I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it, that just even more than like the slutty miniature printing things, which also make my blood boil on Kickstarter. That kind of thing is absolutely just freaking stupid. Like it's just plain stupid. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand it. I like, I'm gonna make a game where the women are st- the standard, and you have to pay extra to get men. How you like that? <sighs> anyway, sorry. Most men probably wouldn't care if the the girl artist cute. I guess. Exactly. That's the problem. Put it in some like some slutty maid costumes. Good to go. Yeah. I. Hmm. <laughs> That's a spoiler alert for our top t- our top t- list today. Stop. <sighs> I'm gonna get off my soapbox. I'm gonna put it away. And I want the one game I want to talk about today is uh, actually fits in with what I feel right now. It's called Bah Humbug. <laughs> I love Christmas. That's how I feel about Christmas every year. <laughs> Which is terrible. I love Christmas. It's magic and the season of giving and things can happen at Christmas that, you know, won't happen other times of the year. And it's just a beautiful thing. And so anyway. This is a print and play game, actually, on Kickstarter right now. And it's called, um, it's Bah Humbug. The full title is A 12 Days of Christmas Bluffing Game. And so it's got really neat artwork. It's They said it's inspired by, like, old-fashioned Victorian Christmas card illustrations, which I love. And all of the cards have, like... You know, lady dancing, maids and milking, and all these. So the numbers from... 
The Twelve Days of Christmas, okay? And if you're not familiar with the song, I would sing it to you now, but I don't know if we have time. Five gold rings. Everybody knows that part, at least. Yeah. Twelve drummers drumming. Eleven pipers piping. Ten lords a-leaping. Nine ladies dancing. Eight maids a-milking. Seven swans a-swimming. Six geese a-laying. Five gold rings. Four calling birds. Three French hens. Two turtle doves. And a partridge in a pear tree. Anyway, so that's what's on the cards. So then you lay out like this Christmas, these Christmas wreath cards, and it's from like one to twelve. And you've got holly tokens and you've got coal tokens. And so it almost works like, I don't, if anyone's played this, the game BS. Apparently it's also called cheat or I doubt it. I don't know. I, I've always called it BS. Um, where you start with one player and they say, oh, 12 drummers drumming. And they lay a card down by the 12 wreath. And they're saying that, oh, I placed a 12 here. And then 11. And so they go all the way around. So at any point you can say bah humbug and say someone's lying and they didn't put down the card that they were required to. And if you catch the liar, you get a Hollyberry token. But if they weren't lying, you have to give them a Hollyberry token from your stash. And at the end, once you make it way all the way, you make it all the way around the 12 days, you go back and check and flip over the cards. And if anyone got away with lying, they get a cold token. And so um, I, for, I don't know exactly what the number is, but you're racing to earn enough berries and coal to win. So, I, I mean, I, I just think it's a fun little simple game, something that we're all used to playing like types of games, especially if you play card games. Real easy for holidays. You can play it with little kids, you know, all the way up to adults. Um, and then if you back this now with the print and play piece, they're going to actually make a box version next year. And so you can get like early bird discounts and stuff if you back this print and play version. So if you're interested in Bah Humbug, a little fun card, lion games, cute art, it's a print and play. There's 10 days left on that Kickstarter and it's just six bucks. Yeah, I don't, I thought I'd played BS before, but maybe not. Cause none, none of that sounded familiar. But well, I really you, you I'd say like, it. oh, I have two twos oh two threes i gotcha maybe i have it's been a while it's been a minute oh clearly i bet you'd be terrible at it anyway i am terrible at games everybody knows that (laughs) i'm just a better liar than you is the other issue (laughs) uh yeah so that was my one kickstarter uh check it out if you are looking for a little fun holiday game All right, so we're still working our way through our top 100, but we are so close to our top 10. Ooh. And these games, legit, so good games that Jason and I love. Um, we actually don't have too much direct overlap this week, but you... It'll come later. Yes, it gets more. You'll see coming from list to list, um, familiar names popping up because, you know, we do... Like a lot of the same games. They just are in a little bit of different order for us. Uh, so today we're going to kick it off with our number 30. All right. So my number 30 is a game that we talk about a lot. I mean, a lot on this channel. And it has one of Katie's favorite IPs of all time. <laughs> Insane Clown Posse. And this is the end of the Echo Side deck building game. Yeah, it's it's a deck building game. It's effectively like Ascension 
but it's got wicked clowns plastered all over it. Uh, that's the theme. ICP's doing something with the three rings and the echo side. I don't know. You're basically using some ninjas cards in your hand and you're trying to acquire better cards in your hand and you're trying to earn the most uh, gathering points by getting some epic tier cards, getting some flavor cards that'll help you out, rolling the wheel of fate, which I really love. Um, it's it's a basic deck building game, but everything is implemented in this perfectly. Like it all works together well. The wheel works. Everything just works together. And the theme I think actually does kind of help it because cards are going to play off other cards. You can get some bonuses that are going to give you extra abilities and things that you can get. It's really awesome. I like it a lot. And I like that it's hard to find, and I have a game that's hard to find. I know. Call me uh, a jerk, but whatever. Jeez. Uh, my number 30, Into the Echo Side. I do really like this game. I don't know that... I, I think the theme helps in that they created synergy around the cards based on theme, but if you don't know the theme, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You'll figure it out from the cards. Uh, my number 30 is a game that is so cute. This is from AEG, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Look at me go. Um, and it's Santa Monica. I really, really obviously like this game. It is tableau building. Um, you are building both a boardwalk and a beach in front of you. And so at some point you have a pier that is kind of the furthest west end of your beach and boardwalk and then you're building out and you're trying to hit there's some personal goals that you have there's also uh, goals for points on the cards like if you can get um like three more shopping um type of cards or whatever laid out on your boardwalk you'll get extra points or um there's also different types there's tourists there's locals and there's vips that you're moving around your beach and your boardwalk. And there are activities that they can be involved in and getting people into those activities gives you more points. Um, moving your VIPs through your beach and boardwalk will also get you points. Like it's just like a big, huge point salad and you're trying to grab as much as you can. And I really love that. It's like, it, again, it's one of those kind of puzzles where it says, okay, um, I need to get more uh, boardwalk pieces with cameras what's out there and it's a unique kind of drafting game because you you draft two correct no just one uh just one card yep. just one there's two rows um and you're drafting from either the bottom or the top of a row and then you've got a food truck that's moving around that might give you some extra stuff you've got um what's the other thing that moves around it's the um, foodie. There's a food truck and a foodie. Oh, a food truck and the foodie. Uh, so choosing cards from the rows where they occupy will give you some extra things. You can collect seashells, which you can use, or sand dollars, which you can use to kind of help break some of the general rules so that you can maybe get yourself some extra cards, get a particular card that you really want, um, Get some people to be moved around, which is really important because that's really difficult a lot of times in this game. Uh, it's just, it's pretty, it's relaxing, but also a fun little puzzle. And so I really, really like Santa Monica, my number 30. Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, I, I might have talked about it already. I'm not sure, but I really do like this one. I have no idea. Um, yeah, I, we should never have to say that we may have talked about it because we don't really know. I know. I um, look up my list. I don't look it up. <laughs> My number 29 is a game 
It's a heavier game. And it's basically the sequel to Coimbra or prequel, but came out second. I don't know. But it's called Alma Mater. And in this game, what you're doing is you are running a college, I guess, a university. You're hiring professors. You're getting students to come to your classes. You're earning, you're learning a bunch of other types of studies by collecting pe- different people's books that you're going to be using as resources to hire professors and all that kind of thing. It's a worker placement game. It's uh, a tight worker placement game. There are tracks. It has similar art to Coimbra, so if that's your jam and that's your style, it's nice to see a Euro game that's not tan, although I do <laughs> like tan. Um, but yeah, this is this is a good game. If we played it more and we played it correctly more, it might be higher. <laughs> Because a couple, we've played it like three or four times, and I think all but the last time we played it wrong. So I'd like to actually play it again, play it correctly, and maybe I'd like it even more. So my 29, Alma Mater. Even with those incorrect plays, I like this a bit better than you. It's, and I think part of it is it's got little book tokens, and I love those. <laughs> oh, the production, production's top notch. Yeah, it's nice. We'll talk about that again later. Uh, my number 29, I think you've already talked about this, which surprises me. Yeah, it's just because we didn't, haven't played it a lot. I know. And honestly, maybe this is ranked higher due to nostalgia, but this is a really good game. And it's Tracurion Legends of Illusion. Tracurion is um, kind of a turn-of-the-century um, magic show game where you are a magician you are trying to advertise your magic show you're also trying to be at your workshop where you're getting assistants and engineers people who can help you pull off the tricks and also be part of your show and so you're making sure you have all the materials for that um and then you're gonna make sure you reserve time on the stage to actually perform your production tight worker placement um, money is tight in this game too, and you're really trying to pull off good tricks at the right times to just really bank it on those points. It's such a good game, lots of moving parts, but those kind of games really appeal to me. I like trying to balance all those different things. It makes all of your choices like really important. And so it's like, okay, let me, you know, what do I need to happen here? It, the artwork is cool. I think this theme isn't done enough. And uh, that's that's just why it's so high in my list. It's a cool theme. It's lots of balance. We have a couple different expansions. One I don't know if we've even played yet. No, we got the big one from Kickstarter that it's in the box, but yeah, we haven't played it. Um, so there's always, I think, a lot more to discover. But even at the basic, it, there's enough going on but if you're looking for punishment add on those those different expansions but it's super good my number 29 trickerian yeah i like it and i wish we could play it more because i really do like it but it just takes up so much of the table it's a pain in the neck to teach like a lot of these heavy games but yeah it's good my number 28 is a game that i think we also talk about a lot um we, we only we only have it because i got it in a trade probably from somebody who got it on the deep deep clearance at like marshall's or tj maxx wherever it was and it's called The Godfather. So this is an Eric M. Lang game from Simon, And it's a worker placement game at its core. It's a pretty simple worker placement game. But the interesting thing about this is you're also doing some area control with the workers that you're putting down into these diff- different districts. Uh, you're going to be able to score some area control markers at the end of the round when you ha- if you have more than everybody else. And then you're going to score a pile of money at the end of the game if you have the most in each region. But my favorite thing is you can complete these missions using like drugs and guns and uh 
blood money and all that kind of thing. And you can end up killing people's meeples or figures and they go in to the Hudson River, which is pretty awesome. So for that round, you're going to go in, you're going to do like a car bomb or a drive-by shooting and you'll kill other people's characters and they'll go into the Hudson. So you're basically eliminating them from the area control. They get them back next round, but it's just, it's cool. It makes sense with the theme and I enjoy it. I don't like mean games. This one's pretty mean, but it's not mean forever because you just next round, you get everybody back. So if you like worker placement, you like the Godfather theme, you like throwing people's meeples in the Hudson, you need this one. So my number 28, The Godfather. Yeah, I talked about this a few episodes ago. This game is fun. Uh, a lot of people can really get into the theme. It's not super heavy. The miniatures are actually really cool. And I feel like they help with the game. It's just, it's good. So good. My number 28 is another heavy game. And this is my highest game from Uncle Vital. Because while I love his games... They're not always very playable. However, I think this is his most playable game, and that is The Gallerist. Um, the Gallerist has a great theme. I love that idea of you are curating an art gallery, so you're trying to get different kinds of patrons into your gallery. You're also trying to discover new artists, ha- kind of help get them started, help increase their fame. Um, you want to buy sculptures and paintings and different things from them. You're going to get them famous and you're going to sell them at a profit. You're going to work with the world markets, creating those interests um, in art. I just, it that theme I feel makes so much sense that it makes this game easier. It is not easy. Um, in true Vita fashion, so you are doing worker placement, but you can always take these kind of like a not assistant actions. There's executive actions and there's... Executives are the, the bonus actions. You get a main action, you get an executive okay. action. So the executive actions, like you can play on somebody else's turn. So you're always engaged. Um, it's a lot of, okay, I know that I need to sell a painting. How do I do that? Okay, well, I got to find an artist to get a commission. Okay, now how do I... Who is available? Like what's out there? What are... There's a couple in-game goals which can be kind of difficult to hit. Like... How am I going to make the most of my turn? What am I going to go after? Um, There's in-game scoring that you can kind of like stock up on. Um, Do I want to make a bunch of money and sell these paintings instead? Like there's just um, a lot of things going on. It's in a tool art. And I feel like the art has iconography that makes it pretty easy to follow. And I just, I think this theme isn't done enough. It's just such a good game. Like, if you are looking to get into a, into Vital games, I would say this is a great place to start. Um, except he he does have that Mercado Mercado de Lisboa, which is supposed to be light. So yeah, it's like a filler that he designed with someone. Maybe else. that's a better game to start with. But if you want like the full Vital experience, uh, the Gallerist is definitely my choice. So that's my number twenty eight, the Gallerist. Yeah, I'll be talking about this later. <laughs> um, so my number twenty seven is a Stonemeyer game, and it's one of the earlier ones. I'm not sure if it's the first one, but it's an early one, and it's called Euphoria. So this is a, a dice placement game where your workers are going to have values, and the trick here is you need to keep your workers kind of dumb. If they get too smart, they'll rebel, which basically means you lose one of your workers back to the, the re-education camp, and you have to go get it again. So you want to have more dice, because that lets you do more things, but you also need to make sure that they don't get too smart 
because then you're going to lose dice. And you're going to go around to these different locations on the board. You're trying to get different resources. You're trying to contribute goods to build these buildings so you can put stars out on the board. Because the goal of the game is to be the first person to get 20 stars out on the board. I think it's 20 or 10. I don't know. Some amount of stars. And if you do that, you're the instant winner. So you're trying to just be as efficient as you can getting these resources. Bumping people out of spaces that you want to go to. Um, keep your people dumb collect artifacts to trade those in to get stars a whole bunch of things you can do on this game and i like it quite a bit um it's not my favorite stonemeyer game i don't think but oh i know it's not but i do really like it and you know it that's what matters so my number 27 euphoria i don't i don't understand why you like this game so much i mean it's not terrible but i don't know the more i play it the more i really like it and i think i i, I don't know I think playing it with more players actually helps because you get your dice back a little bit more. Mm, so true. like three or four players is what you need to play this game at. And I never say that, but this is one that higher player is better. You also assigned a lot of theme to this that I feel like really doesn't come through in the gameplay. But but that is that is the theme, though. I, I, I understand that's the you know right, listed yeah. theme. <laughs> There's no theme in this game, 100%. <laughs> I, I agree with you. Uh, my number 27 is a much lighter game. But again, I think when I rank games on my list, it's I think about would I rather would I want to play this right now? And is this going to draw other people into a good game um, there? Again, I mentioned a couple really heavy games, and that's often just Jason and I playing at least the um, kind of better experiences I've had are with he and I playing. And so often a lot of lighter games are in my top 20 30 40 50 because it just is a good time and this my number 27 is no exception that's parks this is a key master game this one kind of put them on the map because it's so beautiful uh the production uh, quality is outstanding it's just a fun game we bring this out a lot so in parks you're basically trekking through the national parks um but that belongs to a different game. So you're going through the parks. All the there's these tarot sized cards that have these different um, parks and fun little, you know, flavor text on them that I think is interesting about each park. And you have two hikers that are going along this trail to pick up resources that you need to be able to go visit a park. So if it's a desert park, it's going to need lots of sun or, you know, some of the national forests are going to have lots of trees. And so you're trying to pick them up along the trail. You can only go forward. You can never go back. Um, so and you cannot share space with another player unless you use a campfire and that's only once around. So uh, it's pretty tight, like trying to decide how can I get the resources I need? You've got some in-game goals that you're trying to meet. So how can I go about doing that? You're taking pictures of parks for points as well. Um, and again, it's just so beautiful. Even the player colors they chose are great. These little shaped meeples for all the resources, which you know I'm a sucker for. Um, it's a nice relaxing game and yet you've got goals to complete and it feels like you have agency, which I think is the biggest difference between this and the newest one that came out with called trails, which you have much less player choice about. Um, the last time I played this, I played this with my grandmother and she did fine, except she just kept racing to the end. So I felt like I totally screwed up my game. Like I never played with someone like that before. And I was like, Oh, this is weird. 
Yeah, even Brandon doesn't do that. <laughs> but the game still played fine. Like, it still played fine. Um, and, yeah, you're just figuring out, okay, how do I make the most of the turns that I do have since I don't know what the other players are going to do and if they're going to just hike quickly and get to the trail in before me. Uh, it's just, it's such a beautiful game. You can buy it at Target, and it's it's well worth it. A nice kind of entry to family like a family weight game but enough to keep a gamer engaged absolutely so my number 27 is parks yeah this is a good game it's not in my top 100 but i do like it i can't believe it's not in your top 100 we play this a I, lot i don't know i think maybe just because we play it a lot and i just got got bored of it maybe i don't know i still play it i just would rather play something else i think uh my number 26 is a game that i'm sure is way higher on your list if it's not, your list is so fake news. <laughs> and uh, it's called Obsession. So this is a game. We've talked about it. We have videos uh, where you're basically running, I don't know, like a Downton Abbey style house. I don't know. What's that Regency period? Is that what it is? Is that right? It's really after the Regency. Uh, Victorian. Yeah, so you're, you're Regency, a, a, we- yeah. a wealthy Regent Victorian person. <laughs> And you're you're running you're running a household, and you're employing different people to help you in that household. So you're gonna have butlers, you're gonna have ladies maids, you're gonna have valets, you're gonna have footmen. You may have a chef if you uh, if you have the expansion. And the way that this game works is, on your turn, you're gonna take a different tile, which is gonna represent like some kind of activity or something that's going on on your property. You're going to take that tile, and then you're going to equip it with the appropriate number of people, which are called, uh, I can't remember, uh, guests that are going to be coming to the party. And you're also going to have to have staff to help assist all those people. And um, when you do that, you're going to get some kind of maybe prestige. You might get some points. You might get some money. Then once all that is done, all the people that you used are tired, so they're going to go retire to their quarters for a little while. And then you're going to be able to buy a new tile, which is going to expand your property, expand the events and activities that you can do. Um, at every couple rounds, you're going to see who has the best kind of estate in a certain color. You may get one of the wealthy people of the time to come hang out with you for a couple rounds. And at the end of the game, you're just trying to have the most points because points is how you win. Uh, there's tons of different ways you can go about it in this game. There's tiles. There's different cards to give you points. There's just you can have money. Whatever, there's tons of things you can do to get points, and the world is your oyster, effectively. So, uh, my number 26, Obsession. Uh, the game title says it all for me, so I will be talking about that in a couple future podcasts. <laughs> uh, my number 26, um, I think it's a Stonemeyer game. Yes. Right? And we have the Essential Edition, so that's the only one I can speak to, and that game is Viticulture. Um, I do enjoy Vinos. It's another like wine cultivating type game. But for me, Viticulture is where it's at. It's very accessible. It's worker placement where you've got your cute little workers and they're you're you're going out there, you're getting your vines, you you know, you're growing your grapes, you're getting the kind of equipment that you need to run it well and to deal with the type of grapes that you want to have. You are then making wine from those grapes, aging it, maybe mixing some of it um, to fill orders. And there's a lot of really interesting card play as well that you can use um, from people that can help you maybe make better wine or make improvements to your winery. Um, 
just lots of, of, of different things going on in this game. It's got that mechanism where you choose how early you're going to get up and that's going to give you different bonuses. Um, but that dictates player order. Um, I like the artwork. I It's got shaped meeples and you know I'm a sucker for those. The nice clear beads that show you like how aged your wine is. I, I, there's a lot of great stuff in this game. It's a good worker placement game. I had a friend I worked with who was like a big wine person. And uh, I was telling her about this game. And mind you, she'd only played like Bob Ross. <laughs> okay, Art Chill. And she's like, oh, I think that would be great. So she went out and bought it and invited her friends over. And they watched a video and played it. And she freaking loved it. And I mean, she like this is like zero entry almost as far as games go. But the theme she felt like was so good and that worked for them and they're like wine tasting club. And it, it's just a quality game. So my number 26 is Viticulture. Yeah, I'll uh, probably talk about that later. Really? I thought you already talked about it. I don't believe so. Okay. I think it's uh, a little bit higher. Hmm, interesting. We'll see. Maybe I'm... Yeah, it's higher. Okay. <laughs> Um, so my number 25 is a game from the Italians. I don't know which one. There's a group of three or four of them that make great games. And this is from one of them or multiples of them. And it is called Newton. Uh, so this is a game where you are, I think you're apprentices of Sir Isaac Newton or something. And you're trying to do different kinds of discoveries. You're traveling around the, the map to recruit new people and visit new things to help you with your discoveries. You're trying to draft new cards to give you additional options to take more actions in the future. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a weird theme, but effectively you're going to play a card and the card that you play is going to let you take an action on one of the two boards. There's a board that's going to let you move some scientists around to acquire some tiles and make some discoveries. And then there's a board that's going to let you move your actual main guy around to also make some discoveries or something i don't know two boards cards are going to manipulate two different people and you're just trying to have the most points at the end of the game uh it's a fun game it's it's pretty tight because you only play over a certain number of rounds and you're taking like five actions around so there's not enough time to do everything you want to do you can't do everything so you got to pick your best route and try to go that way to score the most points um, so if you're familiar with any of the other Italian games, this will feel similar. It's got some similar like DNA in it, but it's also different enough to have it on your shelf. So my number 25, Newton. This is Luciani and Nestor Mangoni. Right, right. I wasn't sure if it was Tashini or Luciani, so that's Luciani. why I just left it out. Yeah. Uh, this is a really good game, and I will talk about it later. Uh, my number 25 is a game that we haven't gotten out in a while, but I really like it so much and I really want to play it again. And we've got all kinds of cool little bits and expansions and stuff. Um, and that's Dinosaur Island. Dinosaur Island is basically Jurassic Park, the board game without the IP um, and with awesome like 80s, like 90s neon colors, which is awesome. So you are um, running your dinosaur park. You're collecting dinosaur DNA to create dinosaurs to put in different um like paddocks around your dinosaur park you're making sure you've got enough security so people don't get eaten by the dinosaurs you're you've also got like shops and restaurants to bring dinosaurs in you're hiring uh different employees they're going to help your make your park great it's 
It's so good. It is a lot, but the cool thing about this game is the way it's set up. I mean, it takes a huge amount of table space, like a ridiculous amount of table space. Um, everybody's got their player boards, and there's multiple boards in the middle, but that board design actually helps you teach it because you kind of have one board and you're like, okay, so for a first round, we're going to like choose what we're going to do with this. Like these are our actions. We're going to take some DNA. Okay. What are we going to do with it? All right. Now we're going to go into the hiring phase, like or taking up some new tiles. Okay. Now we're going to, you know, make the dinosaurs, put people, use our workers in the park. Okay. Now we're going to like get the guests in. Like it's just really great. We also have the totally liquid expansion, um, which has water dinosaurs and we have all the shaped dinosaur meatballs. It's amazing. Um, so again, I also play with the dinosaurs and they like fight each other and run around, um, because it's cool. I mean, who doesn't want to play with dinosaurs, but it's just, it's such a fun game. It's like what you want a Jurassic Park game to be like, it feels so much like, I'm going to design like a really cool dinosaur park. I'll put a really dangerous dinosaur. Oh, crap. It's going to probably eat people unless I get some better security. Like it's it's so good. I I love it. And I would like to play it more. Um, But it is a lot to set out. It is a lot, but it's really fun. So my number 25 is Dinosaur Island. Yeah, honestly, the table space and the setup of this is the only thing, the reason why I don't want to play it more. Because I like this game a lot. It's just I hate setting it up and putting it away. It's so terrible. All right, my number 24. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. Katie's going to have it higher. Um, It's London. Martin Wallace. A game about uh, running, well, making your version of London. Uh, You're basically running an engine to create money, reduce poverty. But when you run that engine, it's going to give you poverty. So you're trying to... Uh, also build little buildings in this borough on a map that's is going to help you de- decrease your poverty as well because at the end of the game you want to have the most points and you want to have the lowest poverty because you get to discard all your poverty if you have poverty cubes left after everybody's discarded the same amount whoever has the lowest then you're going to lose some points so having poverty is bad money is good but everything causes poverty because that's what happens in early london i guess uh it's a really good game it's a really solid engine builder it looks awful. Yes. Uh, there's a new there's a new second edition which I have played, but I think the first edition I actually prefer it better. Not just because it looks terrible, but I like they take the board away in the second edition, and I like the way that you do the board stuff in the first edition. So it just I don't know. I enjoy that one better. But either edition, if you can find one, get it. They're both good, but I like the first one better. So my number twenty four, London. Yes, I will talk about this later. I love this game. It's the only thing Marty Wallace has ever done right. (laughs) My number 24 is a much prettier game. Um, It is a controversial game. It is a game with slutty maids. And that is Tanto Kore. Yes, Tanto Kore, once in my top 10, has now fallen to 24. And I honestly think it's just because there actually is a higher deck builder on my list than this. And I cannot believe that. Um, well, 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 wicked clowns. Shh, don't give it away, you turd. <laughs> um, but I still love Tonto Quarry. So there are many expand, like different, not even expansions. They're standalone games, but they're kind of different themed. There's an Oktoberfest. There's a vacations um and there's like a winter romance which has butlers because i i like that equality that's happening there 
Um, well, that's the that's the best set too. I really like that one. It is. It's a great set. Uh, the artwork is good. Um, it can be questionable at times, but there are a lot of anime dude perverts out there that love the the artwork. So the artwork I, I like an anime type inspired artwork um just because i feel like it's my asian right um but it's cutesy in a lot of ways and there's some really great card synergy that happens here because you're trying to get you need action points to be able to play cards you also want to be able to turn over more cards you also want to be able to hire more maids um you want to be able to chamber certain maids because they're going to give you points if they're like chambered or if they're like a private maid as opposed to running the general household um they play off of each other really well. Like, it's just every time, like, you really don't have to be as picky about which cards you pull. Because there's, again, tons of maids to choose from at different, um, like, love counts, which is the buying power. Not really buy, but you're not buying them. You're hiring them. It's hiring. Yeah, hiring. But it, as far as, like, deck building game speak goes... That's what it is. The currency. The currency is love. They just have so much affection for you. They want to come work for you. I feel like that's a beautiful thing. Um, and so it's it's it doesn't really matter which ones you pick. They always seem to work really well together. I've never mixed the different sets. I don't know how that works. It sounds like a logistical nightmare, actually. Um, but this is a really good deck builder. It really is. You're not really sure how things are going to shake out. Like, did I do enough to get enough points to beat everybody else? Like, you're just not sure. And there are different, again, multipass of victory. Am I going to, like, go after a certain maid that gives me a lot of points when she is um, chambered? Or am I going to try these other ones that give me points no matter what? So I'm kind of actively moving them around. I... It's just, it's a really good deck builder. I still like it. Um, it probably makes people doubt my feminism, but it's such a good game. So my number 24, Tanto Kore. Yeah, I, I don't know where this is on mine. I think it's outside of the 100, but I do enjoy it. I just wish the text was bigger. Yes, that makes it hard because the text is really tiny on these cards. And so then you look like it, like even more of like a perv as you're like pulling the cards up really close to your face to read them. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm reading the card. I swear, yeah, sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they would make the text bigger, there's actually several games I own that I'm like, gosh, why is the text so small? Um, I, we should do a a, po- a podcast episode about that, like games with two small texts. I've got two right at the top of my head. Yeah, I I know those same two. Yeah, I, that would be a good one. That yeah, that's criminal. Like, make it bigger or use the icons or something. Like, and there's yeah, plenty of room. There's plenty of room on the card. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. All right, my number 23 is a Euro game about William Shakespeare, Woo-hoo. and it's called Shakespeare. So this is a, a worker placement kind of game where you're going to be bidding with these discs to determine how many actions you're going to get to take. And then uh, based on the actions you have left, you're going to be activating these different characters that you have in front of you. They're either going to be on cards or they're going to be on your little player board. Each character is going to let you do a couple, you know, a different thing. So one character is going to let you build some set on your player board because you need to have a set when you're putting on a play. Then another character is going to be able to put costumes on other people because you want to have your actors dressed. You want to make them have the best costumes. 
you're going to be able to recruit new actors. You're going to be able to, um, maybe if you have the expansion, go backstage and get some additional help to make your play go on better. And then every couple rounds, you're going to have to put on your play. And all that basically means is you're going to move up some tracks based on some different like feather pins that you have on some certain cards. It's a really cool game. Uh, it's, it has the Shakespeare theme. It's pretty abstracted, but it is there. There is a set. There are costumes. Um, so yeah, it's there, but I like it. It's a fun Euro game and it also doesn't look terrible on the table, which is good. So my number 23 Shakespeare. I love this game. We will revisit. Uh, my number 23 is a brand new game to us. And I think to the world (laughs) at large, actually we bought it at, um, Gen Con, I think. Yeah. At Gen Con this year. Um, and it was one that I was really excited about. And then it played totally different than I thought. But, whoa, I still like it. And that's picture perfect. I can't believe it's this high. I can't believe it's this high after my ranking. But I have played this a lot, a lot lately uh, since we've gotten it. I've, tra- I've taught it to a lot of people. So in picture perfect, it's basically like if you take Sudoku but make it with, like, people. Um, which sounds interesting. It's like this these mind benders I used to do as a kid in elementary school where like, Oh, there's five pets and there's five kids and you have to like follow these clues to figure out which kid owns, which pet it's sort of similar in picture. Perfect. Like you have the picture comes from a picture. You're staging a picture. It's all these people. And there's also a dog and a plant that are being staged around this table for a picture. But each of them has an envelope that dictates the, their particular needs for their picture. Maybe they don't want anyone sitting in front of them. Maybe they want to be in the back row. Maybe they want to be at the table. Maybe they want to stand next to the dog. Or maybe they want to make sure that no one sees the face of the kid. And so over, I think, the course of six rounds, I think five or six rounds, you are trying to gain new information about different people and what they want for their picture settings and figure out how to arrange them in the way that gives you the most points. Because meeting their needs gives you points. It is puzzly. I like it because I can tangibly pick up the people and move them around and rethink and and physically manipulate things in order to get it to where I think it needs to be. Uh, it's a little brain burny, but it's not a hard game. I taught it to my grandma who is notoriously difficult to teach games. And she actually, it really enjoyed herself. Um, I I think the art is cool. I think the concept is really neat. Um, So my number 23 is picture perfect. Yeah. I don't think this is on my list one because I haven't played it as much as you and I don't like it as much as you, but it is a good game. Hmm. Uh, My number 22, Stefan failed back again. And it is, (laughs) this one is Trajan, Trajan, I'm not actually sure how you say it, but I always call it Trajan. And this is a game that basically um, is built around Mancala. The way you're going to select your actions is by moving these little discs around in this Mancala board. Wherever you end is going to give you the action that you can take. And the actions are going to consist of moving up on the Senate, which basically attract to score points. You're going to try to collect different types of, I don't know, tiles that are representing like staircases and stuff set collection you're going to be moving your military around to conquer areas which basically means put it into a circle collect a tile get some points uh you're also going to be drafting some trajan tiles which if you get certain colors and certain bowls in the action space you're going to get a special ability or some points um 
it's there's no theme to this. It's effectively move stuff around, go to the space and do the thing and get some points for it. But it's real fun and I like it. So my number 22, Trajan. Um, I don't know that I've actually played a full game of this. I think I jumped in one time and was immediately confused. Uh, <laughs> it might be good. I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't know, which sounds terrible. But it seems confusing to me. I like Feld, though, so it can't be that bad. That's true. It's not bad. You're right. Because I think I like Feld. I always say that, and then I'm like, mm, I can only think of one Feld game that I know for sure is a Feld and I like. I can think of two Feld games, but one I don't really like as well as the other one. Anyway, that's not my number 22. It's not a Stefan Feld. It's actually another Stonemeyer game. Shout out, Jamie. Um, and I would say this is my favorite Stonemeyer if I had to guess. And that is Wingspan. Okay, hear me out. I hate birds. I stinking hate birds. If you love birds, I'm sorry. You can love birds. They need you. I don't like birds, but I really like Wingspan because it is like this tableau engine builder. Um, You are... There's really only like four actions you can do. You can place a bird, you can get food, you can uh, produce eggs, or you can draw cards. That's it. But when you do certain things, like if you build your engine right, it's triggering all these other actions, which is allowing you to you know, maybe tuck birds behind carts, maybe um, get uh, food, cash on a certain card. You know, you're just doing all these kinds of things. And again, multiple paths to victory. You've got in-game player goals. Like you're just trying to meet as much as you can to get as the points that you want. Like, I love that. And, you know, we can go about it in completely different ways. Maybe you're going to really bank hard on your in-game goals. Or maybe you've got an engine where you're like, oh, I've got all these birds of prey and they're just going to eat other birds and I'm going to chalk up points that way. Or you're like, oh, I've got a couple cards that are allowing me to, to get food in different ways so I can just cash them on these birds. I think that that's so great. And there's so many stinking cards, so many birds that every gameplay is different. We have um, both expansions, the Europe expansion and the um, the Australasia I don't know what the Oceana expansion. So there's a ridiculous number of birds. Um, also, each bird has like a different text where maybe it's every time that you run that particular engine, you get something. Maybe it's once every round. Maybe it's in between um, turns. Maybe it's in game. So there's just a monster amount of ways to score points. And you're just finding the way that works for you with the cards that you have. And I, I totally dig it. I totally dig it. So that's my number 22, Wingspan. Yeah, I talked about it earlier and did a terrible job, but yeah, that was much better. Thank you. That's what I do. All right. Uh, my number 21 and the last one that I'm going to talk about today is, I believe it was on your list before on a video, and it's just called The Prodigals mm -hmm. Club. Yeah, it was. So this is a game where you're effectively playing three different games at once. You are trying to basically be the most miserable person that you can be in the world, and you're doing that by getting scandals to lose votes in like the house of representatives or whatever. You're trying to make all your family hate you and be disgraced. And you're also trying to lose as much money as you can by selling your stuff for a loss. So you're trying to just be worthless and ruin your life effectively. But the tricky thing here is you need to kind of focus on all of those things kind of equally 
because the one that you have the highest score in is going to be your score. So you don't want to spend all your time focusing on one of the track and get it down really low because then you're going to have tracks or one of the other, then you're going to have other things in the game that are higher and they're going to be your ultimate score. So you're trying to waste your life in equal sections of the board. Um, It's interesting. It's a pretty heavy game. It's got a lot going on, but I like it and I'd like to play it more, but it's kind of one of those games. that's a beast to teach and my number 21 prodigals club. And I also don't like it that much, so that's probably another reason why we don't play it very often. That's probably true. I need to give it another go, I think. My number 21, we already talked about um, at the top of the podcast, and now I can't wait to play it again because I've got an awesome new first player marker, and that is Rajas of the Ganges. This game is so good. Um, So this is dice drafting dice placement. So you're using your dice as your workers um and again this is like a multi-pass of victory here like i can't say oh in rush the ganges you are doing this thing no you're like doing lots of things you're moving boats down the down a river uh to collect bonuses again you can always move forward never back you are um building these tiles on your board to make paths to get different bonuses also in that there's kind of um almost a set collection but it's kind of building an engine that you can run later with the different types of like almost like market stalls that you might have you are oh my gosh what else are you doing the the key with rajas is you are making money and you are gaining points but these are two separate tracks it's not like money is points there's two separate currencies points and money and you start opposite ends of the board with at the beginning of each track, and you are trying to get your two markers to meet and overlap. And that is how you win. And that kind of unique race, like, oh, I'm moving ahead in points, but dang, I, I don't have any money. Or someone's got a bunch of money, but their points are lagging behind. Like, it's always this really kind of tense back and forth between you and the other players and points and money and um, the taking the different worker placement spots on the board. It's colorful. The dice are beautiful. There's a little cardboard elephant that used to be the first player marker, but now I've got two um, to play with. It's, it's a really interesting game. Again, not, I would say, super complex as far as how you take a turn. Like you play some dice or you draft some like but the options are out there and so some people i think can get ap on this one but it is a worthwhile really fun exciting game and that is my 21 rajas of the ganges yeah that's a good game i'm not sure where it is on my list but i do like it i might have talked about it on a video i think uh i don't i don't know I don't know. It's somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure it's somewhere. All right. So that is our numbers 30 through 21. Let's give you a quick rundown of our 10 from this week. All right. My number 30 is Into the Echo Side. My number 29 is Alma Mater. My 28 is The Godfather. Uh, 27, Euphoria. 26, Obsession. 25, Newton. 24, London. 23, Shakespeare. 22, Trajan. And my 21 is The Prodigal's Club. 
My number 30 is Santa Monica. My number 29 is Trakirian. 28, The Gallerist. 27, Parks. 26, Fiticulture. 25, Dinosaur Island. 24, Tanto Quarry. 23, Picture Perfect. 22, Wingspan. And 21, Rajas of the Ganges. So I hope that you have enjoyed as we're tracking down through our top 100. We are in the top 20 next week. Oh my gosh. Like... All of my favorite games. Like, we're talking about all of my favorite games, um, which is so exciting to me. It makes me want to bust them out and play them some more. I hope we'll get in more gameplay now on our holiday. I'm thinking about instituting some screen-free days over this holiday break for my kids and us, so that we'll, and myself included, so that maybe more, so that more games will get played because, um, you know, the holiday season, that's about togetherness and giving and sharing. And I want to do more of that. So I hope that you guys are enjoying that as well as we're sharing our top 100 with you and also our 100 outside of the 100. So stay tuned again for some more Facebook lives. Maybe we'll try another one tonight. Maybe. Maybe. Or tomorrow. Maybe. Actually, when this drops, you won't even know what tonight is. So. Um, keep looking for those. We're getting closer to meeting the 100. So we're kind of trying to track the same progress as we're going. Um, we love to have you guys join in chat. Um, if you're not on Facebook, they'll go up on YouTube later. So feel free to comment. We love to hear from you guys. Um, I've seen a couple top 10 lists, a couple favorite games lists. Um, I've heard some of you say, oh, if you like this game, you should try this game. I love that. That is how we learn about new games. That's what I love about the community. And everyone in the Riveted is awesome. I love all of you, just some of you at certain times more than others. That's true. And we also have a giveaway still going for like another day or so after this podcast drops where we're partnering with the Board Game Rundown. We're giving away two games on our end. They're giving away two games on their end. So if you're interested in getting in on the action, go to our Facebook, uh, Twitter page, YouTube. You can see how to enter on our end and go visit them at their YouTube and I believe their community, and you can enter there to win their games. So I'm not going to tell you the games. Go find that out for yourself, and don't be slow because it's going to be ending soon. And they are good games, like not like some crap that we got. They're good games. Yeah, I don't I, I don't always give away the crap. Sometimes we give away good stuff. <laughs> and we're doing it this time because it's Christmas. Dang it. I won't let Jason be a Grinch or Scrooge on this one. <laughs> this good time. Luck. I know. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Another week till Christmas. Yay. Oh, hush up. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. The Grinch. Keep gaming, everybody. <laughs> Keep gaming. Christmas, why are you being a turd about it and acting like you're all hard, like, oh, I'm too cool for Christmas? <laughs>